the What's Buzzing podcast. I'm your host, Sam Degnan, and along with me, Michael Fraley and Will Mortensen. We're back today, and um, we're reviewing The Last Dance, uh, episodes 9 and 10, aired last night. Um, and we figured that with The Last Dance finally wrapping up after, that was five weeks. That's, it's crazy how, like, that time flew by so fast, because week one felt like yesterday, to be honest. Yeah, it's like, I mean, especially since we're all just, like, sitting at home, like, Every Sunday, every Sunday just has been so special in the last like month or whatever. So yeah, it is crazy though that it's over. The um, thing we have to sports these days, unfortunately. The Bundesliga came back the other day though. I was watching yeah. a little bit of that. I know Mort was watching that. I was I was parked on the couch. Had got finally got some some soccer action. The and, Dortmund the Dortmund four zero win. Yeah, I had I had that up on the TV all morning. So. Um, but we figured it was, this is just a perfect episode topic because it's the mix of sports and film. So it's just, it's perfect for us. And, um, before we get started, does anyone have any initial thoughts on uh, last night's episodes? I, I certainly have some. Um, yeah, I, you know, I was, I personally, I didn't know that the 98 Pacers were that good. I'm, you know, it's kind of surprising to hear that, like, they were the toughest test for the Bulls. Like, because normally when I think about it, I think, like, um, the Sonics or the um, Jazz or, like, the Pistons. But did, did, he say, did he say outside of the Pistons, though? Yes, he, he, did, say out, he did say outside of the Pistons, okay. yeah. Okay. Which I feel like if I'm, if I'm Ewing or John Starks, I'm a little pissed by that. Like yeah. they they beat the Bulls like Ewing like obviously MJ wasn't there, but Ewing beat the Bulls twice, and he just he's probably a little pissed that MJ doesn't. It seems like there's I don't know maybe I'm reading into it, but if I'm Ewing, I'm a little pissed because like there's a bunch of physical series, like '93 that was a six game series that was uh yeah tough, so I don't know I'd be a little pissed if I was Ewing. Yeah. Um, I also thought uh, the ending was pretty nice when Phil talked about how they all got together and they wrote something and burned it in the trash can. I thought that was a pretty cool story. Mm-hmm. Also, just like the filmmaking was so good because just the way they cut like in between like certain timelines and they went from like 91 to 98. So this was for the earlier episodes too. But, um, and also just like the cinematography with like the fire and then MJ just sitting there with the cigar in his Jordan shoes that aren't even out yet. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it seems so, it just, the ending was priceless. And with the montage too, I was watching it with my dad. Mm-hmm. My dad was a big Bulls fan growing up because he, he lived in Monroe, Wisconsin, but he had all the, the Bulls games on TV. So he watched like every single one. He was like the biggest MJ guy growing up, and I remember watching like all the, all the Bulls championships when he was like our age. Yeah. So it was just super cool to see him watch that, and I don't know. I really I I liked the ending of last night's episodes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I liked. Um, obviously, I thought the ending was really good, and like when it, just from a basketball standpoint, like seeing matchups develop, like the the Jazz Bulls matchup or the Pacers Bulls matchup um, or even like the ma- the Magic Bulls thing when Michael had just come back. 
Um, that matchup development was cool. But I think that there were just so many little moments of like inspiration or motivation for Michael that like there were times when I just wanted to like go like I was watching it late at night last night and I just wanted to like go find a court and start shooting like and obviously that's what Michael did like it made people want to play the game and like he he really did like him and that team really did not just change basketball culture but they changed culture in general so like I mean I thought it was like really powerful and when it was compounded by that that moment around the fire at the end like um it became just that much more powerful it's like I couldn't take my eyes off it I was just like I haven't had the episodes recorded I was just flipping through commercials as fast as I could I didn't want to I didn't want to waste any time I just wanted to see all the action so yeah Uh, um I would say like the way they use interviews were so great um I I would say I kind of want them to release the full interviews uh online because honestly, like I'd watched apparently Dennis Rodman, like trying to interview Dennis Rodman was extremely difficult because <laughs> he was just like all over the place talking about Kim Jong-un and random stuff. And like, honestly, I'd watch that. Like I would watch a full I, I sit down. I watch that. Are you kidding me? A full sit down interview with Dennis like a, Rodman. Like a pay-per-view Dennis Rodman interview? Oh my gosh. ESPN <laughs> could make a shit ton of money off of that. Because <laughs> the, MJ, the, the MJ love after this documentary and we'll get into this later. It's just so high right now. You know, it should be. But um, I think what one thing I kind of want to just go into is, like, why do you think the documentary – because it's, it's one thing for guys like my dad who grew up in the era of MJ and 90s basketball and all the culture changing to, like, love this documentary, right, because it appeals to their nostalgia – but why do you think it resonated so well? And even like Gabby Monahan, who's a good friend of ours, um, said she loved the show or she loved the documentary a lot. She's never been a basketball person at all, but she, she really fell in love with the documentary and like became a fan of Michael Jordan. Like, why do you think the documentary resonated with all different types of people like that? I mean, I think, like, because there are so many moments of, like, relationship development with Michael. Like, I know, um, I thought the moment with his security guard, Gus, who ended up going through chemo but still showed up for big games for Mike, I thought that that relationship was super powerful. I think the Steve Kerr story when they fight in practice is a super, like, weirdly, like, powerful. I guess it's not weird. It's just a powerful moment. Um and I think there's so many like lessons about competition that we can all relate to, like, especially us as athletes. Um, and that transcends time. So I think um, just being able to witness greatness regardless of era is something special for us because we never got to witness the greatness that we hear our parents talk about. We never got to see MJ play, um, but we hear our parents talk about it all the time. So I think like, obviously it's not nostalgia for us but it's this like the fact that it's new is just as fun for us well yeah I I agree with I agree with all that um kind of like what you were saying the competition lessons and I think like like Jordan's can't lose mentality I think that can be you can take that and apply that to anything in life just outside of basketball Mm -hmm. um I think that that should be everyone's mentality on a daily basis 
like I'm going to do whatever it takes to win or do what I have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like that kind of, I think that really can resonate with someone and motivate somebody pretty easily. Yeah. Um, what I think that the doc did a really great job of was um, creating M- or showing MJ in this light where he's, you know, he's separate, he's separate from everyone else. Like meaning like his mindset is above everyone else and he's performing on um, an insane physical level. Right. But yet keeping him like, like keeping his humanity as well, you know, with his relationship to his dad, his relationship with Gus. Um, Also in episode seven, episode seven was my favorite episode again, because it showed how competitive Mike was right. And how, how far he would go with his teammates in order to win. Like sometimes like being a bully. Right. But the thing, the thing, the beautiful thing about it was he didn't regret any of it because he knew it was necessary to win, but he didn't like, he doesn't like being seen as a bad guy in the ending of episode seven where he's like crying or he's on the verge of tears talking about his teammates. Cause you know, he, he cares for all of them. He's still human at the end of the day. But he's different in the fact that he wants to win so bad is that it, yeah. that, like, separates him from everyone else. Mm-hmm. Well, and in that light, too, like, they said the moment at the end when the team all met around the fire, um, they said, like, MJ wrote a poem, and everyone was pretty surprised by, like, how much he kind of revealed himself emotionally during that meeting. And I think, to your point, like, the whole what the documentary really showed was that you can be the most competitive person on the planet but without kind of sacrificing how much you value relationships with the people around you um and i think also that competition um the way the way that he drove his teammates to levels of competitiveness that they had never experienced before like i think that also enhanced their relationships too like they they felt a deeper connection because they were forced to like battle so hard together to reach the levels that they did. Um, and I think that's like the power of sports and the power of basketball. And then obviously the power of Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. I think the, the doc did a great job of showing they didn't um, underemphasize practice, right? They showed a lot of clips for practice and he, sh- they showed how um, all of these things, the highlights we saw in the game were built from practice. All of these performances from Steve Kerr, from Scotty Burrell, from from Pippen to like were built up through MJ's trust in practice, mm-hmm. right? And MJ pushing them to, you know, be the best versions of themselves. Like MJ even said, like I would do things in practice, um, in order to push others to get better, right? He would like they would, he would do some um, unorthodox things, like you know, play only left-handed or just like. Gar- annoy the hell out of a guy like there was times where he would just annoy Scotty Burrell in practice so much so that he could you know break through and have one of those uh you know big games for them in the playoffs because he knew he they need him to yeah and so that's how like MJ got the best of his teammates mm-hmm. and I think yeah that's something like I know we might like I guess not get into the LeBron MJ debate as much today um, as Mike would like to, (laughs) 
But uh, I think like there, like you said, there are tons of examples of him making te- his teammates better, not just by like, not just with how like he played on the court, but with how he fostered certain mentalities, like you said, within his teammates. And I think that's a part of his greatness as well. Like that's a huge part of his greatness as well, that you have to watch the documentary about him to understand. You can't just watch him play and understand that necessarily. I mean, maybe you could, I don't know. I never got to see him play, but it definitely is helpful watching the documentary. Mike, I want to hear your, uh, I know it's a little early, but I feel like for the best way for us to really dive into this, uh, these episodes, I want to hear your MRR for today. All right. So today, kind of a big one, actually. Yep. We have winners and losers from this entire documentary series. Now, I think there are obviously more than 10 that you could pick, um, but I just thought of 10. So winners to start, going to go with the kind of obvious one here. It's Jordan. Um, you know, before the series. Oh, Mike, hold on now. <laughs> hot take from Mike. I know, steaming hot take, right? <laughs> For the series, I remember him saying, he's like, you're all going to hate me. You're all going to think I'm a bad guy. Does he seem like kind of like uh, – does he seem like a bad guy punching teammates? Yes. But, like, I don't – like, not everyone thinks that, I think. You know, I people understand more than thinking he's a bad guy. I think people understand that that was necessary, right? Mm-hmm. I know I, I – Going into it, I thought, like, well, obviously that makes him a bad guy if he's, like, punching Steve Kerr. But, you know, watching the documentary, I kind of came to the conclusion that, like, yeah, in a way, that's kind of necessary, right? Like, the only teammates that didn't like him, from what I saw, were – or, like, thought he was kind of a jerk, were Bill Weddington and B.J. Armstrong. Like, those were the only guys. I don't – I didn't – yeah, I mean, I I think – I thought I didn't get that sense actually from Wennington. I thought he was fine with Mike. And especially like, I think all you need to do is listen to the Steve Kerr story, Mike, to your point. All you need to do is listen to Steve Kerr's side of the story to know that like Steve Kerr has obviously like a lot of respect and felt that that moment was like powerful for him because he earned his respect or he earned Michael's respect uh, through that moment. So I think like, like to your point, that that interaction in practice with Steve Kerr doesn't make me think less of Michael at all after hearing Steve's side of the story. But Dagnan, also with BJ Armstrong, like his play, like his best four years were like those years that he played like significant minutes with Chicago. Like from a basketball standpoint, like the only years he averaged double figures were those years like with Michael. He was also a one-time all-star too, which is like yeah. – Kind of, I mean, it's the Michael effect. I think he won it while he or he got it when he was in Chicago. Yeah. Right, barely averaging double figures. But I mean, yeah, I can. I mean, that that's true. That it did not feel at all like his teammates um, didn't like him. It felt like they kind of all bought into Michael's will to win and felt that like his like they embraced his drive. Yep, I, I it's safe to say he's a winner. Also, like from there was a poll that came out on ESPN from last night. I think it was, it wasn't before the documentary. It was like in the midst of the documentary. It was a comparison between um, LeBron or Jordan and LeBron, right? And they polled different players or different, like different fans from different um, mm-hmm. age groups, 
most of like are over 18. There's nobody who's younger than 18 who voted, which um, is important to include. But I think they, uh, there is so much love for MJ and a lot of it like deserved. Right. But you know, there's this once there's this one poll where it was like, who's the better passer LeBron or Jordan. It was like 60% chose LeBron. And I was like, Oh God. I mean, if it's that, if there's that much love for Jordan, then you know that this documentary has changed perception for of people or well, no, changed yeah, that, Jordan's perception. That's kind of, what I was going to get into like people like me or even people a little bit older than me who never really saw Jordan play it, never experienced the era he played in. Like now they understand him like, cause they have his stats. They have like maybe a few of his quotes from the past couple of years, but being able to understand him now, like really after this documentary, I think that definitely is going to make a lot more people appreciate him, you know, mm-hmm. that already did. Um, I just, I think more people would be on board with him and on board with his mentality um, yeah. than before, because, just because of this documentary. Mm-hmm. So, this yeah. is also like ESPN's best documentary too. So I'd say like ESPN is also a winner. Like this 10 part documentary, this is going to go down is probably the best 30 for 30. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Definitely Mike, best basketball. What else do you have, Mike? So, yeah, Jordan, obvious winner, number one. Number two, I have Dennis Rodman. Now, do I think that Rod, do I think that Dennis Rodman is like, he's, he's definitely not the focus of this, but the reason I put him on here is just based off of the fact that, that in the NBA finals, he can go to a game or he can go to, do WWE or wrestling, whatever, all the way in Michigan. He'll come back, be ready to go. Um, the Vegas story from episode three where he just dipped in the I, – I think it was in the regular season, right? Or was it in the playoffs? It was in the regular season. Yeah. He just dipped to Vegas for like two a days. Week. Yeah. A week. Yeah. <laughs> um, they had to go and find him. He was always ready to play. Like he's – I mean, I, I, don't, I don't deny he's kind of a weird guy these days. He's, he's definitely very a weird guy. But I think being able to do that is just like, that is like legendary right there. And people like, people are always gonna, you know, when they think of Rodman, people who watch this documentary are gonna think of those two things. At least I know I will. Like just going out to Vegas, partying, coming back, being ready to play a game. To me, that's a winner right there, to be honest. <laughs> um, not, not to mention hanging out with Carmen Electra, but. <laughs> Um, what, what I highly recommend, um, a lot of you guys do who are listening and you guys as well, um, in preparation for this documentary, I watched like all of the basketball 30 for 30s with my dad. So I watched the bad boys one. I watched the Lakers versus Celtics one, which is a three part, uh, series. Um, and that was really good. But I also watched the Dennis Rodman one that came out in the last year. Uh, and it was very, very good. It it gives a more in-depth look at Rodman's career. Um, and it was just really interesting. I think you guys should all watch it because it's like episode three, mm. but like it's two hours long and it's just all on Rodman. I think okay. um, yeah. it's a really good look into it in his life. And, the, and I mean, the other thing too, like I respect Rodman's game, game style, like I was looking at his stats the other day. He had seasons where he'd average like five points and like 17 rebounds a game. Yeah. Which is just like the weirdest stat line. 
But, like, he knew what he needed to do to be a part of a winning team. Like, he knew what Jordan wanted out of him. He knew what Phil Jackson wanted out of him. And he, like, he bought into that. And for that, like, you know, obviously being that kind of, like, scrapper, rebounder, that's not, like, the most exciting thing. But he was, like, all for that. And I think that's also more of, like, a winning mentality. He's also 6'8", yeah. too. Like, 6'8", guarding the fives of the other team, guarding the Carl Malones. Yeah. Like, competing. It was just – I don't know. He's he's actually just a true winner. Yeah, and when he was like he, you know, on the Spurs, I think they're or not on the Spurs, on the Pistons, he played five straight years. He played every game, which is just crazy. Thinking about like how much of a scrapper he was, like diving all over the place, going at the team's biggest guy. He was healthy all the time. Um, yeah. So yeah, Dennis Rodman, number two. Uh, number three. I know we already kind of talked about this one. I actually have Reggie Miller and 98 Bulls or 98 Pacers. Hmm. Um, you know, I, it didn't focus too much on Reggie Miller, but just for Jordan to say that outside of the Pistons, Reggie Miller, like a Reggie Miller-led team was his toughest opponent. I think that's very high praise for Reggie Miller himself. Um, I think he's going to get a lot more credit for challenging Jordan like that. Obviously, he had a great team around him, but – you know, no one really, no one talks about Reggie Miller when they're talking about the best players, even, or even of like the '90s, because he isn't. Yeah, yeah. Should deserve some more credit for challenging the Bulls. Like, I, th- I think he's a top ten player of the '90s. I think, I think yeah. he's. I mean, he's. If he's not in the Hall of Fame, he's a future Hall of Famer, and um, I'm pretty sure he's in the Hall of Fame. But it, yeah, the documentary definitely, like they had Jalen Rose. Jalen Rose was like. Yeah, like, a lot of people can hit shots, like, but when it's crunch time in the playoffs, like, you're giving the ball to Reggie. And, like, when they were showing that series, like, the only person on the Pacers that they had hitting shots was Reggie. So, yeah, yeah I agree with that for sure. And he didn't fear anyone. Yeah. He had no fear. Yeah. He, he was shot. not scared of Jordan. Right. And he should have won a championship. He had so many – like, he had so many close calls, especially with the Knicks in, like, the 94 or 95 season when I think they went back-to-back. Or, no, they didn't. But they got there in 94. Hmm. And it was a seven-game Eastern Conference semifinal series. And they just couldn't get over the hump. They never got to the, they never got to the finals. Even in 04, too. I think that was the year when the Pistons won. Yeah. And, like, they didn't win. He, that was, his, like, near the end of his career. And he just couldn't get a t- title. Or he couldn't get to the finals, which is just super frustrating. But Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Reggie Mil- mainly Reggie Miller, number three. That whole team as well, though. Um, number four, I have security guard John Michael Wozniak. Now, if anyone is confused, this is the guy with the blonde mullet. Yeah, the Jordan shrug. You know, I don't have much to say about him. He seems like a really cool guy, like doing the penny thing. I forget what that was called, like the penny game with Jordan, free game. Um, he actually, I think he passed away like a couple months ago. Yeah, he did. Release of this, which is pretty sad. Um, he he just he, you know, he he seems like all I can really say he seems like the kind of guy I'd want to hang around with. To be honest, mm-hmm. yeah, I think like became an internet meme too. Yeah, but we also like, I mean, the I remember like last night or the like episode, like those last couple episodes stressed like just how much that security team meant to Michael. Like, he was always hanging out with them. Like, they, they kept him really grounded, like, 
during the playoffs and stuff, during these big moments when basically every camera and every eye was on him. So, like, I, I definitely agree with that. I think the entire security team is a winner. Yeah. Um, and number five, this is a very basic answer. You might consider it kind of a cop-out. But I think it's us, the viewers. Because this documentary um, – I just looked online, by the way. It's rated 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, 9.5 out of 10 on IMDb. Oof. This is like, this is easily one of the best things I've ever watched. Oh, but yeah, no doubt. You know, I, I know we already stressed this, but like, I don't think I'd ever been so locked in on a TV and well, Sunday Night Football, maybe, but. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> The, the entire the directing, I think the guy who directed this deserve he deserves some kind of award. Um, my favorite the my favorite thing that it did was like, as we mentioned earlier, the the timeline blending, how it like the that was so part. well done. Yeah, I think that was perfectly done um, with the overarching ninety eight season, but like going back to like also combining his entire Bulls career with that. Like, that's just genius. And that was also such a daunting task, too, going into that. Like, having to blend, like, focus on the 98 season and then masterfully, like, blend all the other seasons. Also, give, like, particular episodes to the supporting cast of Pippin, uh, Rodman, and Phil. So, uh, I don't know. That was really well done. I mean, I was, yeah, because I was watching episode one with, like, going from college to, like, the Paris trip, you know, before that that last championship season and I was like kind of skeptical I was like what are they doing here and then as you like watch the whole thing it just like it all like works so perfectly and runs so smoothly yeah I so honestly I'd probably you know I'd say us the viewer but I'd also say the director I'm forgetting his name um but I would say the director as well just for putting this together automatic win uh Jason had here I don't know okay Good name. Got to get the name drop in there. That's good. Yeah. So, um, I guess one more, too, I would definitely mention would be Phil Jackson. Um, yeah, I, I didn't want to go basic and put, like, all the main components of the Bulls team. But yeah. to deal with, or having to deal with all those egos on that team and Jordan, and he, like, made them – you know, a lot of – you know, a good amount of credit goes to Jordan, too, for, like, motivating a lot of his players. But um, having to deal with, like, Jordan, Pippen, Rodman – and you know, getting yeah. to work together perfectly—not an easy task. And I think Phil also did that with Shaq and Kobe too, which he's obviously. I think he's probably the best. I would say he's probably the best yeah. ever, to be yeah. honest. I mean, I think he was—he was really good at just kind of getting out of the way too. Like most of the time, like he just kind of let let guys be themselves and let the players lead the team. And like I think that no like, timeout at the end of the yeah. I mean, yeah, he wasn't, he was never going to make it about, like, he was never going to do anything to make it about him when the effectiveness of the players was clearly working. Yeah. Yeah. Those are my winners. But, um, so getting into the losers of this documentary, I think this is where it gets a bit more fun. Um, the first one I had, just kind of a quick shout out, I'd say any Utah pizza place. <laughs> um, yeah that's tough that's tough Utah I in actually, general I actually think like people are gonna watch this and think Utah pizza and just no 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 pizza from there also just Utah fans in general like they're very loud yeah. right and then there's that one woman how about just Utah in general how about just Utah in general 
I mean, like Utah fans, like there was that one woman, right, who was just screaming and she was just yelling, remember the blonde one? And then also like Michael Jordan didn't want his kids there because like it was like too hostile. Yeah. And then also like not to mention the fact that Utah in the last years had like there some fans like kicked out for racism. Russell, like, like Russell Westbrook incidents too. Yeah, it's just like yeah. <sighs> notoriously bad fans. Uh, so yeah, Utah Pizza Place is number one. Um, obviously, another obvious one, Jerry Krause. Yeah. Uh, I think, like Scottie Pippen said at the end, he's probably the greatest. Did he say he is the greatest GM of all time? Pippen said that, yeah. Um, he said, every, yeah. Obviously, he's going to get a bad name from this series because some of the insults that Pippen and Jordan threw at him, you know, he's like smoking a cigar. He's like, you better stop or you stunt your, gro- your growth. <laughs> he's, like, where do you, he's like, where do you keep getting them pills that stunt your growth or whatever um, that keep you short? Uh, you know, he's obviously, like, hated by the entire team, which probably sucks. Um, but, he I passed. mean, yeah. I think he passed away. Jerry yeah, I think he did. Because they didn't – I mean, unless he just didn't talk. No, he, I think he's definitely – he definitely passed away. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the thing is, like, obviously he, like, built the team. And so I'm, I'm glad, like, Pippen gave him credit at the end. But there was, like – clearly an ego problem and like there was reason there was like he obviously gave the players a reason to dislike him um and then I I think like obviously it was that comment like organizations win championships like I think like some of that could have kind of got lost in translation maybe there's a miscommunication or misunderstanding but yeah there's reason for the players not to like him but the owner did say like Jerry Krause is one of the nicest guys I've ever met um so I think it was important there was like a couple moments where he actually got a good rep and I think that was important so yeah it wasn't all villainizing him but, but yeah it's complicated with him yeah he I think, wasn't a winner I think he's kind of like I think he's right though in a sense like you know if he's not the one to draft Jordan Pippen or like he didn't draft Jordan but oh, he no he came in in 86 okay so yeah but like you know, I don't think – personally, I don't think Jordan wins on his own, you know, without, like, a Pippen or a Rodman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, like – and he kept them together for so long, too. Like, I don't know. I think he's kind of right, though. Like, they don't win if he's not there. He's not there to make all these other moves that help them. Yeah, but that's not the role of the GM is to be mm-hmm. – like, he just couldn't help himself. The GM is supposed I, I think- to – yeah, I agree with that. I think, like, I agree with you, Mike, for sure. Like, what the moves he made have to be appreciated. Um, but I think it's also the GM's job to, like, stay behind the scenes. Like, make your moves and don't get in anybody's way. Don't let your ego take over. Let the players yeah. get the credit for what they do on the court. Um, and I think, like, in a sense, he kind of crossed the line. No, yeah, that way he's yeah. definitely a loser. Like, yeah. That's why I think he's, the he, like, you know, his ego is through the roof. Right. That's why right. I think he's one of the biggest. And that's the problem. Yeah, he's a good GM, but, the, yeah, that doesn't mean that, yeah, I agree completely. And, like, nobody, I mean, I I bet I'm probably more in, in the odd here, but, like, I have given him more credit than he probably deserves. But the general, like, basically everyone who watched this now hates Jerry Krause. Yeah. yeah. 
they're not e- they're not even going to really consider the fact that maybe he didn't draft Jordan, but like he kept the team together. He got Pippen, brought in Rodman. So mm-hmm. Yeah, Jerry Krause number two. Um, number three, I have LeBradford Smith. I think that's his name. I'm not entirely sure, to be honest. So, if anyone's confused, this is the rookie that I think he scored like 35 on Jordan one game. Oh, yeah. Pulled him uh, game. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. You know, if he wasn't even – he probably wasn't even saying it in like a sarcastic way. No, he didn't say it. Yeah. I, well, well, what do you mean? Because didn't he go up to Jordan and say that after the game? No, MJ – there was later revealed that MJ made that up completely in his head to motivate himself, which even further yeah, which, yeah. Bradford. I thought he said it, but Jordan made it up that, like, he was saying it sarcastically. No, he didn't say it at all. Hmm. Well, I mean, oh, either, either, way, either way. Either way. Either way, like, really. He's still a loser. Yeah. yeah. Now he's, like, the guy that just, um, I don't know. He, like, Jordan, I don't, personally, I don't think Jordan didn't have to go after him like that because he was a rookie. But, um. I think that's just more, you know, he's on the losing end of that. That more shows how much of, I mean, basically a psycho Jordan was. Yeah. Um, I feel bad for him, to be honest. But now he's just like the punchline of some joke about Jordan. <laughs> that's all people are going to think of him as. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, LeBradford Smith, number three. Number four, I have Adidas. Just the entire <laughs> company. <laughs> I think it was like in 85, Jordan, um, like everyone was with, it was, they talked about everyone was with Converse, like Larry and Magic. Converse is like the big NBA shoe. And then Jordan wanted that, but they didn't, I think Converse, like they already had so many stars, they didn't really focus on Jordan. So he turned his attention to Adidas. Um, and Adidas basically said like, we can't make a shoe work, whatever that means. Like we can't make a basketball shoe work. <laughs> um <laughs> botch yeah fumble, fumble the bag <laughs> now, would anyone have pre- now do i fault them like would anyone have really predicted that jordan would be like like he was probably not but it's still in retrospect looking at it it's like wow that one of the worst business decisions ever made yeah yikes so instead he goes with startup nike jump man everything is born but adidas like it's tough. Just it's tough because it's, it's not entirely their fault, but yeah. like, who's at number five? Who's at number five, Mike? So number five, I actually went with. Um, I couldn't decide, so I have Patrick Ewing and George Carl, Sonics head coach. Huh. Um, the thing I don't understand about George Carl is like, by by this time, by '96, like you have to know what kind of animal Jordan was. Now, if you piss him off with something like that, you know, he's going to yeah. tear you apart. Why would you walk past him without saying anything? Dude, that was, like, that was like, so dumb. That was, like, the Nick Anderson thing. Like, he got the steal on Jordan at the end of, like, game one. Yeah, and he, he's, like – Magic series, and he's, like, 45, 8 – he's, like, 45, 8, 23. Like, the next game, Mike's wearing 23, and, like, it's over. Takes him out. I mean, Nick Anderson got lucky, but, like, dude – I just – I don't get why people – you know, I get there's, like, confidence, but, like, clearly that's just dumb. Like, it happened a time and time again. Like, B.J. Armstrong tried talking trash, like, got destroyed the next game. Also, George Carl is a loser because 
of the series because of his decision not to put Gary Payton on Michael Jordan from right the away. Yeah, he like never made the choice. He's like Gary Payton was like, "Coach, I'm guarding Mike," and like that was like Gary Payton's choice. Gary, uh, Gary Payton did like he he stopped Jordan. Like Jordan said he didn't, but he kind of did. Jordan for two games. For two games. Yeah, Jordan shot like 36% with Gary Payton on him. He yeah. only averaged like 23 points a game, which was down from like the 31 he was averaging. Yeah. But Gary, you know, Jordan says he didn't stop him. I actually, I should have mentioned Gary Payton as a winner, to be honest. But, you know, obviously the documentary didn't talk about like what really happened. But he did stop Jordan in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously they didn't win, but. Yeah. So, yeah, George Carl walking past Jordan. Just stupid. Um, and then Patrick Ewing lost to him in the 83 NCAA championship game. Um, lost to him in those couple of playoff series. Kind of like what you said earlier, Mort. I would have thought he would have said that the Knicks were a tougher opponent than the Pacers. But, no, he didn't, he didn't really mention the Knicks. Um, I remember that one – I forget what the quotes were exactly, but – it was after a game. Patrick Ewing went up to him to say, like, nice in the locker room. He said, like, he's, like, saying, like, nice game or something. And then Jordan just did not care. You know, like, Jordan had, like, his feet in ice or something. And Patrick Ewing was standing over him. Jordan just didn't care. He, like, disrespected him again. Um, so, Pat, I think Patrick Ewing and the Knicks were constantly getting disrespected uh, this entire series. So, Dude, I think – yeah, I think also like Brian Russell's kind of a loser too. Like that was that was that was. I mean, that, that, I just thought it was funny. Like Mike goes in to like say hi to like some of the some of the guys on the team, like some jazz guys when he's retired. Oh when, yeah. Not when he's retired, when he's playing baseball, and Russell's like, "It's like, why'd you quit, man? You know, I could have locked you up." And then like, come yeah. back in the finals, like. Russell's like on the ground and Mike hits the shot. Yeah, I forget that that was an ankle breaker. Like he literally just destroyed, snapped uh, his ankle. Okay, okay. It wasn't a push. It wasn't dude, a push. Dude, it wasn't. A, I don't think it was a push. Like it's kind of a push. No. no. Do you hear what? Like the thing is, like when I'm I'm watching that, I'm like the first time I see it, I'm like, yeah, that's a push. But then you see like Russell's like already clearly turned his hips the other way. Like all Mike needs to do is cross over. Like he's got plenty of space for that jumper. I don't know, man. Maybe that's maybe that's that LeBron in me telling me that's a push, but like. Also, LeBron is a loser of this series, and I, I say that. I you know I thought about that. I thought about putting him on there. I think he is too. Because I mean, should we get into that? Should we get into that that debate? Yeah. I, yeah, we get we should get into it a little bit. Because I've got some. I've got some. Mike, I know you're gonna like to hear a couple things I have to say, but. It's just that that my dad was showing me this thing last night, and it was that ESPN poll. Uh, Scott Van Pelt did a segment on it. And, you know, there's like they were comparing Jordan to LeBron on all these different, you know, categories. And it was they're going through it, right? And it was uh, best offensive player, Jordan. 85%. I was like, 85%. Like, that's, that's kind of high. I was like, I ignored it, right? Best defensive player, um, Jordan, was like 
70 percent just like yeah it makes sense like jordan is the better defensive player than lebron um mostly because of just his like competitive edge too because like you, you never see jordan not guard the best player and sometimes lebron doesn't guard the best player that's not true he didn't guard magic in the 91 finals oh scotty though it's a better size matchup not guarding the best player though Okay. Yeah, but I mean, he he led the league in steals per game three seasons. So. Yeah, I, yeah, no, I I agree. I agree. I think I think Jordan Jordan. Definitely yeah, multiple time defensive player of the year. Like he's a better yeah. defensive player. But then it was best passer and like, how many career assists did Jordan average? And like LeBron's I, I like, Jordan Jordan averaged uh, five point three assists per game. Yeah, and LeBron's like seven and a half. Or LeBron eight. is seven and a half. Yeah, and now he's leading the league in assists. As he's getting older, he's now gotten to the point where I could say he's top three passer of all time. And I think it's just, you know, the love for MJ is great and all. And I think he's the best player of all time. And I thought that before. And I I now think that a little more. But some of the blind love from these casual fans is just blinding people from LeBron's greatness. And now it's just like, oh, you know, MJ was able to make a dump off pass to Steve Curry. He's a better passer. Like, no. I think it's, I think, yeah, I think this is going to create a lot of like double standard dynamic here against LeBron. You know, like, um, I, I do think LeBron is a loser of this because people see this and like, even I, I think myself, like I went into this thinking like, God, Jordan's just the worst. Like, I'm going to hate him after watching this. But, like, I don't, you know? Like, I like him more now. I like, I like him a lot more now. than I respect what he did with the Bulls. I respect his mentality. Like, do I think that's the thing that – I personally don't think that's the thing that separates him and, George, him and LeBron. But, like, I have so much more respect for him. And, like, you know, I – than I did before. Just because of this one documentary. Right. And I think it's – you know, people say, like, Oh, you know, like the Anderson Blums of the world will say like, oh, it's just a documentary. It's a documentary. Like it's going to make him look good. And that I just, that's not true. Cause they, it spends like at least two or three episodes talking about his flaws as a person and how he like couldn't, and how he like had trouble dealing with the media or whatever. And like his emo- the emotional toll he had and how he felt so worn down. But I, you know, I just, I have so much more respect for him than I did now. And I get how, like, the average person could see that and think, like, well, this, you know, LeBron's not like this. Because, well, because Le- LeBron isn't like that in the same way. He doesn't have the same mentality. But, like, I don't know. I, I, I appreciate Jordan a lot more now than I did. Yeah. I agree. And the thing, like, I, I, I like your comment about um, both of your comments about how, like, people are going to watch a documentary and think, like, oh, this puts Jordan over the top. Like, in, t- in like 15, 20 years or whatever, they could make a documentary about documentary about LeBron. And, and that's going to happen. Really, really to happen. powerful, like crazy moments where we would see like the greatness of LeBron behind the scenes. Um, so I don't think we can say like, oh, like this puts Jordan like way over the top because I, I don't think this should take away from LeBron's greatness. But I do think like – the mentality of MJ where um, like he, he wants to show everybody, everyone who like 
watches him play that he's the best. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that puts him over the top because, like, he played he played um, 82 games eight times. And he played 78 or more games in 12 of his the 15 seasons that he's counted that he has stats counted for. Like he talks about like they always talk about like his fatigue and all that stuff. Like the the last few episodes, how he's like running on fumes. But like he wanted to show like every time he walked in a building, he wanted to show the fans that he was the greatest player. And he he like he was like I have to play. He, he played every game. He wasn't resting. And ultimately the greatest success is obviously leading a team to championships, but he did that without sacrificing game time during the regular season. And he was a gamer every single night, like 10 scoring titles, obviously leading the league in steals, um, leading the league in minutes per game. Like I, I think that there is a mentality thing there that is almost impossible for anyone to replicate in the modern game. Um, well, I, I mean, I, you know, I would argue that with, like, yeah, Jordan's durability is insane, but, like, you know, I don't know if you're saying this necessarily, but, like, that's not – I don't think that's something he has over LeBron. I mean, you he know? did quit, like, I think for he two did. years. Yeah, but I think he – right. But that's not, like, a rest thing. I, I, I think that is something he does have over LeBron, the fact that he can play – he can lead a team to six championships – well playing 82 games during the season well um dropping 30 plus uh, like per game i mean also he's playing big minutes like plays every game and yet he's not losing titles because of it he's actually playing even better because of it okay the the thing is though like michael did like as much as i'm glad that the doc showed this because like (laughs) <laughs> this is funny my dad was like can can we just skip over the baseball stuff and I'm like that that's a that's part of what happened like you can't like it's you can't people can't ignore the fact that MJ and I know there's stuff with his dad and he was exhausted like yeah I'm not just like trying to act blind to that but he did you know take time off from the game and I know what you say what you're saying more about how he played like all 82 games but you know LeBron was never hurt for his career uh until last year like he played like 18 straight years of at least like you know 75 plus games I think for the most part because he like rarely took rarely took games off and I know now that like load management has become a thing like and that like that's a reality that you know some guys like it affects the league now Mm -hmm. but I think like LeBron still did that as well but like the one thing I wanted to say though is that people whose, you know, rankings of the greatest players of all time, like, if their, like, rankings have changed since this documentary documentary has come out, then, like, I think that's a problem, mostly because, like, at the end of the day, this is a narrative, and it's a very good story, right? But it's, like, they're trying to shape um, Jordan in a certain light. So I think the fact that, before this, um, you know, Jordan was – I don't think Jordan was, like, united, like 80% of people thought Jordan was the greatest player of all time. Like, I don't think that number was that high. Like, personally, I don't think it was that high. Yeah. And now that, it, now that it's, like, that high, it just shows how, like, easily people can be swayed by, you know, this documentary. And I feel like when LeBron has his come out in a, year, a couple of years, 
you know, in a bunch of years. And then Kobe's going to have his come out at some point because people are going to try and replicate this. This was a masterpiece, right? You know, right. LeBron's going to try and have this. Kobe Foundation's going to try and do this. So I think people are going to – this is going to, like, put, you know, as much as they want to put in an honest light, it's going to put these players in the best light possible. And I think um, – I don't know, it just shows how easily some of these people can be swayed. Yeah, and that that's kind of what I was getting at earlier. Like, did this impact my viewing of Jordan? Yes, I think it did. I think it, it made me appreciate him more. But, like, does it do or not? Like, I know, obviously, it's a narrative. It, it's going to make him look better in some way. I it, Like, overall, it's going to make him look good, you know, even if they do spend parts of it talking about some of his weaknesses. But overall, it's going to make him look good. And that's what I completely agree with you. Like, watching this, you shouldn't base, like, your opinions of who the best player is off of this. I, I just, you know, that's like, I, you know, you, you got to, like, you got to, like, do some research of your own, watch games of your own. Just watching this documentary, I don't think it's fair to, like, change your ranking of who would be the best player. Can we talk about – MJ playing with plumbers. Talk about that. That like I, I think personally, the point I would make is that regard like so MJ in his era, he was the guy. Like there there wasn't really there were other good players, but there wasn't anybody that was as elevated as he was, or even anywhere close. And I think the fact that he said, I think I guess the way to measure. Um, like him and his era versus LeBron in our era now is how much he separated himself from the next guy and the rest of the league. And I think the margin of separation between him and the rest of the league in his era was far larger than the margin of separation between like LeBron and say Giannis or Steph now. And sure, sure. He obviously the guys he played against weren't as good as the guys LeBron's playing against now, but they all had like, I mean, MJ and the guys he played against had access to the same coaching, everything, same like personal trainers, same like dietitians and stuff. And MJ was able to separate himself so much. So I think that's how you measure guys who played in different eras. And I think that's what um, part of the reason I think MJ is so great. Well, I, I would answer that with, I think you're right. I think Jordan was substantially better than the other people in his era compared to LeBron versus like LeBron versus KD or LeBron versus Steph. I think that gap is smaller in today's era, but to me that speaks more to how good or how much better LeBron's era is because LeBron and Jordan are obviously close, right? Yeah. Like, you, you know, it, whether you think LeBron's better, or Jordan's better. They're I one and two. I think it's pretty unanimous that they're one and two. Yeah, yeah. One and two. So LeBron is on Jordan's level. And there are more guys who are closer to LeBron in LeBron's era, which means there are more guys who are closer to Jordan in LeBron's era, right? right. And I think that means the players are better. And, you know, I think it's, it's, it's easy to say that, like, sports people get better over time. Like, if you watch, like, 50s basketball, it is yeah. hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So, 50s, I mean, like, compared to 80s, as far as, like, how much skill guys have, Right sports athletes that get better over time and obviously that applies to LeBron too like he has more training than Jordan did better health whatever people know more about bodies 
but you know, I think that argument though, the point of me making that argument is that everyone around him is better too versus everyone in like the nineties or the eighties. Mm-hmm. And I think they're closer to him. I think it's just a little unfair uh, to say that in order for Jordan in your mind more to jump or in order for LeBron to jump Jordan, Jordan needs to be that much better than um, because right now the talent in the NBA is highest, the highest we've ever seen. It's it's most era. And so you're asking, it seems like you're asking LeBron to be that much better than, um, you know, the Kevin Durant's, the Steph Curry's guys will be top 10, honestly, in my opinion, by the time that. Yeah. Kevin Durant will be a top 10 player of all time. I mean, he's, he's, right now he's top five most talented, for sure. Yeah. Maybe top three. You make an argument right now he's top ten of all time. Yeah. Yeah, you could. You can make the argument. And then Steph Curry will be top – honestly, he should be top ten by the time everything's done as well because he'll be yeah. – you know, I think he'll get another championship. And I, then I think um, he'll have the most threes by the end of his career. Well, yeah. So I think – Steph and Clay are the two best shooters of all time. Like, let, let's get something straight here. Steph is the best. I mean, you obviously could argue someone else for number two. I think it's Clay, personally. Um, just okay. how much Clay can take over a game just by his shooting. Yeah. Like, I think he can do it more than, more than somebody. You know, he's not better than Larry Bird. I don't think he's better than – he's definitely not better than Reggie Miller. But I don't – you know, I think Clay has the ability – Clay's ability to drop 60 off 11 dribbles – is like unheard of. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's personally why I'd say he's the greatest shooter of all time. But that's besides the point. Like Stephen Clay and KD on one team, like how you can't hold, like you can't fault LeBron for not being substantially better than those guys, just based of how based based off how good they are. As well as just like people use three six as an argument, and like you know what I like I understand that, but if you like. If you look at each individual series, you really look at each series. Like, like if you think about it, 06, right? Second best player is Andreas Ogalskis, and he was going against top 10 player of all time. Going against the two, two other Hall of Famers and the top okay. two coach of all time. But yeah, but I mean, it's not like the thing is, like LeBron with the Cavs early, like he had other players, like he had three players that were scoring double digits per game with him. Like they, they were each they were each scoring like say like 14, like Larry Hughes, Drew Good or that were that were career scores, career um double digit scores. Like LeBron or not LeBron, MJ early on in his career, he was starting with four other guys, none of whom were career double digit scores. Yeah, and he was first round of the playoffs all the time. Yeah. And then now LeBron LeBron had to do go with that. Basically no, LeBron career. was going was playing with guys who scored were better career players than the guys MJ played with early on. Okay, I mean, so the, that LeBron I mean, played with early. The guys that LeBron played with early scored more career, like were double. He had other guys with him starting that were double digit career scores. Okay, but and at the end of the day, they're like still Drew Good and still Zadreus Ilgauskas. So. Yeah. Yeah, and they're, and they're still better than the guys MJ was playing with early on. Okay, but when and when there's here's a stat when Scotty didn't. When Scotty didn't play, Michael Jordan's career record was under 500. 
Okay. That's one he played. in the playoffs without Scottie Pippen. And I yeah, think you, you can't win without good teammates. Like LeBron had. But LeBron like, did. LeBron, LeBron got to the finals. Did. LeBron got to the finals. That's, yeah, that's, but, but that's, I'm saying my point is that MJ made the playoffs with terrible teammates, and LeBron made the finals with teammates who were better than those that MJ played with. And they were still terrible. Dude, they were still bad, but they were better than the guys that MJ played with. The year after LeBron left Cleveland, you know, I think they lost in the Eastern Conference Finals to Boston in like seven games or something. Their team won 19 games. 19 okay. games. Just think mm-hmm. about that for a second. That LeBron took that team and almost took them to the finals. Yep. Like, that's insane. That is absolutely insane. Okay. Like, in terms of, like, the most valuable player of all time is LeBron James. Like, there's no dispute about that. Because what LeBron was able – LeBron was able to do more with less. And that's – he's, like, Jordan, as great as he was, and he was able to, you know – put good teams over the like good teams over the top to make them all time teams because of his scoring because of his defense. Like no one's disputing that. But with LeBron could take teams with absolutely very little talent, like lottery talent, um yeah. and turn them into finals teams. And he was able to compete against and but the thing was when he got he to that, that point, so he did that he did that once. Okay, then also took with Cleveland yeah, and the finals they were, took. I mean, they were constantly in the playoffs, though, competing for the finals. It's so was MJ. MJ was always in the playoffs. Yeah, first round exit. Yeah, first yeah, round. With worst teammates. I, okay, more. I think you're overstating the difference between. You're right. right. No, you're right. And that one season. No, you're right. That, that's true. The feat of LeBron. I agree with you, actually, that the feat of LeBron taking that team um, to the, that you guys are talking about to the finals, that feat is definitely bigger than MJ making the playoffs with any team in his first three years. You're right. I agree with that. But that was one season, and LeBron never actually won the finals without another, like, career 25-point score like Kyrie or like D-Wade. He never actually won the finals without that. Like, Scottie Pippen was good, but he, and he, averaged, he was really good, and he averaged, like, 20 a lot of their final seasons. But he's a 16-point-per-game career player. Yeah, but he's also was like the second best defensive player in the world, and then he also had Horace Grant, who was an eighteen point game scorer. Like it Grant takes it takes a team. Like it takes. We had Horace Grant for half of his titles. Okay, um, and then he had Dennis Rodman, who's yeah. an offensive player. Right. One so thing. the thing is, like, it requires it requires a team, and LeBron didn't have that good of a team for most of his career, and he was also going against the best competition of all time. LeBron has played Le, three of LeBron's final series. He's played like without anyone good, to be honest. Like, let's be honest here. Did he win those series? No. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I, I think that, I mean, you got to, I think if, yes, he didn't win, right? And right. people tell me, like, oh, he didn't win. He didn't win. It doesn't matter if you don't win, which, with to an extent, I agree with. If you're the GOAT, you're supposed to win. But when you're, for, when, for example, have you ever seen that finals graphic of like 2015 where it's like, it's like, um, Timothy Bozgov and Matthew Delvadova. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that's true. Okay. You're right about that. You're right about that. Ron Delvadova in like Iman Shumpert. Like that is like a real finals graphic right there. Yeah. I get if you're the GOAT, you're supposed to win. But come on. I mean, like, come on. Everyone needs a team. And people will and people will use the standard of like, 
well, everyone needs a player to win. So Jordan needed Pippen. Jordan needed Rodman. But when LeBron loses those final series, it's, well, he didn't win, so it doesn't matter. You know, yeah. he, didn't have, he didn't win. It doesn't matter if he had no one around him. He's supposed to win. But yet I'm constantly told that Jordan needed a team around him to win, and that's the excuse. Like, that's the double standard thing I'm talking about. Yeah. Fairly applied to me. Yeah, and you're right. You're right. Like, I guess hearing you guys, like, make that argument, it makes sense. Like, you, we can't expect the margin between LeBron and Steph to be as big as the margin between MJ and everyone else just because the talent level now is so much higher. I agree with that. But I think people overstate how much worse players that LeBron played with on the Cavs were than – some like I, I don't think like I, I think MJ obviously had good teammates on the Bulls, but I don't think that LeBron's were just like absolutely like useless teammates compared to some of the guys like MJ played with. Like it, the the gap there isn't as big as a lot of people make it seem. I don't think, and I think when LeBron actually won titles, he had a supporting guy that was arguably that was like a better score than any supporting guy. Um, but he wasn't a better player. Okay. Scotty was better than Kyrie. Scotty was better than Dwayne Wade. Let's get this clear. Okay. Scotty, it was the superior player. Top five player in the NBA in like the early. 90s. And he's a top 15 player of all time. So I don't. And so more, remember the series where it was Jordan. Um, it was the Boston series where he was averaging like 45 and was that yeah. like 86? Yeah, 86, right? Um, yeah. I was thinking about that. That's what LeBron had to go through in for like six plus years in Cleveland and then multiple final series in Cleveland again. So I think, I mean. But what, the, he didn't have to go through that again because he had good teammates in Cleveland the second time around. Moskov? Dude, oh, like, no, in, in the finals though, in the final series. We're talking about the final series, I assume. Because obviously he had like Kyrie and Kevin Love. Up Kyrie is a good, really good player. Kevin Love is a oh, good no. player. J.R. Smith is actually a good scorer. Okay, let, let's not let's not get on the J.R. Smith hype train here. No, but you can't say that J.R. Smith is worse than Steve Kerr. Like J.R. Smith is better right. than like Steve Comparatively, Kerr. Comparatively, I'd rather have Steve Kerr than the '90s equivalent of J.R. Smith. Steve Kerr isn't going to forget the score in a finals game. Yeah, that that was that was massive. Let's be honest. Yeah, that was that's true. That's a fair point. The thing we're ignoring with all this, though, when we're talking about this, is that you know the competition that LeBron played. Like he was already the the series were already very close with Cleveland and um, Golden State in like 2015, 2016. But then to add Kevin Durant, who is a the probably the most gifted player of all time. Yeah, it's completely unfair. Yeah, but then people. But the thing is that people use it as ammunition against LeBron for three oh, six. You're, yeah, I, yeah, you're right. That can't be used as ammunition against LeBron. Well, that's 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 the way it is. And you know, this by pushing the narrative with this documentary, and this is why LeBron is a loser of this documentary. That you know, win at all costs, and like that's great. But you know, winning without context, um, or like just looking at someone's wins without context is just completely unfair. The biggest problem that Jordan stands have, it's just it's the it's the without context six rings. Like, do I think would I say that generally, you know, like the average team in the '90s was better than like 
the average team of today's era. Like, do I think there are more good teams? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm sure there are more good teams in the 90s than there are today. There are more great teams today. Yeah, there right? are. There are more good teams in the 90s. But then applying that same logic, if there are less great teams, right, that means – and great teams always get to the finals – then Jordan played worse great teams in the finals. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, that's why I think his finals thing, like, it context matters so much. Because, <laughs> like, if he's – like, literally, let's think about his finals opponents here. He played the Barkley Suns, which are considered, like, maybe the best team he ever played in the finals, right? Like, the Barkley Suns, um, the Sonics. You know, these aren't bad teams by any Washed up magic. Yeah, no, no. Magic, no Kareem. They they still have James Worthy, right? No, I think he's gone. It was like Sam Perkinson. Oh, and, I think uh, they still have James Worthy. But yeah, a washed up Magic. <laughs> the Trailblazers with Clyde Drexler, right? As the best player. And we're talking about best players here. So like a washed up Magic, Clyde Drexler. Gary Payton, who, if he would have guarded him the whole series, it would have been a series because Gary Payton gave him trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else? Barkley Suns. And then the Jazz. And then the Jazz. Yep. And if you want to compare that, like, that is, you cannot compare that to the Spurs with Duncan, Parker, Ginobili, Kawhi, or the Spurs before that. You can't – that's not even on the same level as any of the Warriors teams, the Warriors with or without KD. Like, does LeBron have a bad finals loss against the Mavericks? Yes, he does. That Like, he got outplayed by J.J. Barea. <laughs> like, that's pretty bad. <laughs> but, you know, I just looking at that finals competition, like, obviously Jordan's going to go 6-0. and Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, you know, the Jazz series were probably the hardest ones to win in the finals. But those four other ones I mentioned, like, and I constantly believe Jordan is – Jordan LeBron are one and two. Jordan is on LeBron's level. Yeah. Either way around. But, um, yeah, he's going to go 4-0 and in there against those four teams. LeBron would have as well with Scottie Pippen on his team. You know, so I, I just think, like, the finals competition, the 6-0, and context matters so much in that argument. Right. But I, I think, like – you guys are overestimating how much, like, how much better Scottie Pippen was as a supporting player than D-Wade. Dude, it was washed. D-Wade and Chris Bosh. He averaged 25 a year their first championship season. Yeah, yeah. But Chris Bosh. 25 a game, yeah. The game six against the Spurs in 2013, Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade combined for 24 points. These are LeBron's, like, all-star supporting cast guys, right? Now, this is just one example, and you can cherry pick. Yeah, to be fair, though, like, these teammates, like, I think we're all overestimating, like, the value of these teammates. Like, Scotty disappeared in game six, mostly because of injury. You know, D-Wade and uh, Chris Bosh disappeared in multiple Spurs series. They were terrible when they lost 4-1, to too. Dwayne Wade yeah. was terrible. So, I mean, LeBron also wasn't great during that series as well because he battled injuries. So, I think we're all overestimating – teammates but I think at some point when you're all by yourself and yeah you you have no teammates or no like at least all-star level teammates um and that's used as ammunition against you which are basically 
the yeah, Browns' two right. finals losses. Exactly, which is the standard against LeBron. It's used against him. And this documentary isn't helping LeBron's case, which is why he's a loser, because it's pushing this idea of win at all costs. And it's, you know, praising Jordan's, like, killer mentality and, you know, win no matter what. Mm-hmm. But it's just, like, it's just, I don't know. It's just not helping LeBron. And I think that's um, – fair to LeBron. The Bulls players shot 60%. I don't know if it was the flu game. I think it was the game, I think it was game seven when Scotty went down like halfway through. Yeah. Shot 60%. Documentary doesn't talk about it. You know, it's, it's things like that. Yeah, that's true. And honestly, like hearing you guys make those arguments, like I, I actually do agree with you now that like what, and or what LeBron has done that basically on like kind of on his own um, is far more impressive than, Three final series on yeah, it. Yeah, that's far more impressive than people give him credit for, and that's far more impressive than what MJ did during his first few years with no one. Um, but I still think that uh, – I, I mean, obviously, and then the points you make as well about the documentary, like changing people's opinion too much, I agree with you on that as well. But I still think, like, the way that MJ separated himself through a mentality – um, and then also through like just like obviously so many clutch moments and through the ability to find motivation for every single game, um, I think that's that makes him the greatest. Oh, I, I understand. But it's close. Like I don't I don't want to separate yeah. the two guys because th- there's no like how like hyping up one person's greatness shouldn't take away from the others. But that's so what's happening I, though. Right. Like, I think that's happening. what that's what happens. And obviously, when I get in when I get into the argument, I feel like I do that sometimes too. But I, like at the end of the day, I don't. I, I just want to appreciate like both of their greatness and not worry too much about who's the best. But like obviously, it's a debate that we have to acknowledge. I think it's a debate that uh, will go on for years and years and years. And the, this, uh, as much as ESPN wants it, the book to close on this debate, I don't <laughs> feel like as long as LeBron's in the league and as long as you know. LeBron fans are still out there. This this book will, you know. I'm not backing. This, down. this debate will never down. close. I'm not backing down from anybody. Um, that's that's all we have time for today. Um, right. thank you guys for listening. Uh, this was this was a fun episode to record, and um, I we all we all loved the last dance, and uh, the last dance was just a great piece of film that uh will continue to be rewatched for decades. Absolutely. I know I will watch it every couple of years for sure. Um, watch the entire thing after this. So, yeah. <laughs> follow us on uh, social media: Instagram at What Is The Buzz, Twitter at W Buzzin, um, Instagram, Spotify at What's What's Buzzin. Um, tomorrow we are doing a movie episode, so it's another rewatch. Actually, a first time watch. Um, we won't spoil what it is yet, but um, we're all really excited. So, uh, until next time, stay buzzing.